I got a couple giggles. I like that. I'll take it. You guys are more awake than first service. Uh, welcome to my fellow non-morning people. Um, first service was brutal. That was early this morning. So I am now awake and ready to go. Practice uh, rough draft is done, and we're ready to do this again. So I'm excited to see you guys. Hey, if you are not fully awake yet, I'm going to have you guys participate, all right? We're going to get you guys involved right away. And some of you are like, I'm leaving. No, don't leave. I know some of you are allergic to uh, answering things. So don't worry about it. Just make a decision. You're going to be good here. If you are welcome, people online. If you're online with us today, you can also participate in this. Just put your answer in the comments. All right, so here we go. I'm going to give you three choices. You got to choose one, and you only have five seconds to think about it. Do you prefer books? Do you prefer movies? Or do you prefer TV shows? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's all you got. Raise your hand if you prefer books. Interesting, interesting. We might have to do like some like cross comparison between first service and second service and see uh, see where all our how this mixes up. Okay, who prefers movies? Okay, got a few movies, got a few movies. And who prefers TV shows? Yeah! There was like two people in first service that preferred TV shows. I got more kids in this one. Um, okay, I love them all. They're all fantastic. But I'm going to tell you a special little feature that I particularly enjoy about TV shows. This week on... Last season on... The recap. I have a heck of a time remembering what happens from week to week, let alone from series to series. And I love those little like recaps that, that refresh my mind and give me just, the, oh yeah, I forgot that, oh that happened, oh yeah, and it makes, helps you make sense of what's coming up next. When I read a book, I read the same chapter like 12 times. Like, I listen to them when I go to bed, like I, I love Audible, I listen to it, and all of like four nights in a row, I'm like, well, yep, that's that same chapter because I can't remember what happened. I need the recap. When you prepare for a sermon, it takes you kind of like down past it. Sometimes you're just like, I don't know how I got here. Like rabbit trail big time. And that happened to me this week. I started looking up this thing called digital amnesia. I don't know if any of you have ever heard it. Apparently it's real. It's also called the Google effect. And what it is, is it just means is that like now that we have technology, we've got these devices and whatever else, is that we don't actually have to retain nearly the information that we used to have to retain. Because like our brains are in our pockets or on our watches or, you know, wherever else. And we can just recall data just like that. And man, I would tell you all the like stats about it and how much our memory we lose and, and the things that we've forgotten and all that stuff. I don't remember any of it. So look it up if you're interested. It's great, okay? So I know some of you, maybe, maybe you're new here today. Maybe you haven't been following along with what we've been going on. What's been going on? We've been talking about the story of Elijah. Maybe you, some of you are suffering from digital amnesia or spiritual amnesia or COVID amnesia or I don't know. Maybe you just don't remember things. I am here to help you today, okay? Before we get going into what is going to be the season finale, the epic season finale of Elijah, we are going to go this season on. We're doing the recap because if we really want to know and feel the, the importance and the gravitas of, the, of, this, of this last season finale, we got to know what's been going on leading up to this point. So, if you haven't been following along, no worries. Here we go. This season on, we start with this guy. First episode of the season, 
named Elijah. And Elijah is like a nobody. He just kind of pops into the scene, and we're like, where did this guy come from? And all we know is that he is a Tishbite from Tishbe. Like, he's, he's not a part of the who's who's of Israel. He's not like on the up and coming next 20 greatest leaders. Like, he's, he hasn't made that list. He's just kind of this ordinary dude that gets kind of thrown into the scene. And if you watch movies, if you watch TV shows, there's these things called Easter eggs. And Easter eggs are these really cool components that like are kind of like hidden little gems that are supposed to be like, you got to watch really carefully for them. And if you see them, you're like, oh man, that's cool. Like, look, they did that. Disney does this all the time. They'll put like different parts of like Disney princesses and like other movies. And you're like, oh wait, how did Ariel get into this Frozen film? You're like, I don't know. Like really cool stuff. So they do that right here, first season, right? We're like, okay, little Easter egg. Who is Elijah? Well, if you're paying attention or if you're like looking really closely, Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh. Ding! Like, whoa, okay, so this guy is going to be different. He's going to serve God Yahweh. And soon as Elijah gets on scene, he has to confront a king. So about 100 years before Elijah gets there, there was King David. And we all know King David. King David was a great king. He followed God. He loved God. But things have changed. The scene has changed. There's been bad king after bad king, right? And now we're in this spot where we are at probably the worst of the worst. And not probably. The Bible actually says we are at the worst of the worst. King Ahab is in charge. And worse than maybe King Ahab is his wife, Queen Jezebel. We've saw her to a few weeks back. And in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33, it says, referring to King Ahab, he did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all kings of Israel before him. That's his claim to fame. Like, this guy was not following God. So we, our story kicks off, we've got this like ultimate antagonist in King Ahab. We've got this like soon to be kind of like un, unsung hero in Elijah, and our, and our series is, is kicking off. So how it starts is Elijah goes and confronts King Ahab, and he says, hey, you know what? There's going to be a drought in the land. It's going to last, I don't know if he tells him at this point, but it lasts three and a half years. And that's kind of crazy because at that time, their god, small g, god of uh, Baal, is the one that's supposed to be controlling all this, right? He's supposed to be the one that... that produces the rains and helps the harvest and whatever. And, and Elijah comes in and says, nope, guess what? My God, God Yahweh, is actually the one that's in control. And because of that, there's going to be a drought. And during this drought, Elijah goes and lives in the desert, which is not a great place to live, especially during a drought. So there's not very much food. There's, he doesn't have anything to eat. He's not sustained. So God sustains him. He has ravens <laughs> deliver food to him. And then he's getting these uh, daily deliveries of, of, of raven food. And then God's like, nope, you know what? Now I want to switch it up. Now I want you to go and stay with this widow and her baby. And, of course, Elijah goes, seriously? Like, I've, like she's not going to have any food. There's a drought in land. Don't you know this? And she's not going to want me stealing her food. And sure enough, he gets there, and he, the woman's like, I don't want you stealing my food. But, of course, God provides and multiplies the food and they're both okay. And then this woman has a baby, and this woman, one day this woman's baby stops breathing. And she's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And Elijah takes the baby, and he prays out to God, and God 
renews breath into this baby's life, and, and Elijah's able to save this baby's life. And then we get to, like, maybe, like, you know, like, how seasons work? Like, there's always that, like, mid-season, like, giant, like, episode, and then you got to take, like, two weeks off or three weeks off, and you're like, when's the show ever coming back? So this is when this happens, right? Elijah gets to have this giant showdown on Mount Carmel. And during this time, he calls down fire, and they, he, he kind of goes against different prophets and prophets of Baal, and they all try to do their thing. And to show off how powerful his God is, he actually takes the sacrament, and he pours water all over it, so it's all nice and wet and, and soaking wet. And then, sure enough, God Yahweh brings down fire, lights up, pyrotechnics, you know, it's amazing. And at that point, the drought ends. So now there's, now there's rain back in. God, Yahweh, has shown, shown his power. And you're like, man, this Elijah guy, he's, he's had a crazy, crazy life. He's, he's, things got to calm down for him here a little bit. But no, of course they don't. We, we get to on the next, next episode, and, and now he's running for his life again because Queen Jezebel wants to kill him. So he's, he's running for his life. He's fleeing to the desert. When he's in the desert... God shows up there, and he actually gets to communicate with God. And during that time when he communicates with God, God tells him that he is going to uh, anoint two new kings, and he also tells him that he is going to anoint a new prophet by the name of Elisha. I'm sorry. I don't know why they did that, Elijah and Elijah. That's just cruel for people that got to talk about it. So follow along. I'll try my best to enunciate, but... You'll get it. So Elijah, we're going to talk about him more, right? But Elijah goes and says, hey, okay, and he anoints that guy. And time and time again, Elijah is continually sent to confront and to speak God's words to these kings, right? So we caught up with this last week, this part of the story. 2 Kings chapter 1, and we see Elijah again. He's back. This time there's a new king. This time he tells that king, hey, guess what? You're going to die. That king doesn't like the news, so he sends 50 men to confront him. Fire. He sends another 50 men to confront him. More fire. And here we are, right? Oh, and that king's now dead too, by the way, but yeah. So here we are. We are getting ready for the season finale. We are getting ready for the epic end of the story of Elijah. And all of this stuff has led up to where we are today. And this, I don't know about you guys, you go through all that, and you, and like, to me, it's like, man, that sounds like a season of, like, 24, like a season of Lost, or like a season of another show I can't talk about in church, and, like, it's just like, whoa, cliff after, cliffhanger after cliffhanger, and you're like, I gotta know what's gonna happen. So here we are, pull out your Bibles, we're, we're gonna be in 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going verse 1 through 12, if you don't have them, that's okay, it's gonna be up on the screen for you as well. And here we go. Opening credits, open scene. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. What? Bombshell to start the show off. Elijah's leaving. He's getting kicked off the series. But no, Elijah's not going to die. What is this all about? He's going to get taken up in a whirlwind? This is crazy, right? So now you've got our attention. Okay, what is going on here? Let's, let's see this thing play out. And Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. So Elijah is back, right? And now we know that Elijah's been hanging out with Elijah for, for years. Back in 1 Kings chapter 19 is when Elijah 
was introduced to us. And that's when God told him to kind of to anoint him. So that's been roughly like six-ish years. Like King Ahab, King Ahab stuff, Ahab dies, new king, new king dies. Like it's been, it's been a handful of years. They've been working together. So here they are, partners again, and they are going to go on a little farewell tour. We're going to stop at several spots along, our, on the, along the way here. So they start in Gilgal, and they are headed off uh, to Bethel, okay? So uh, verse 2, we see them head off. So Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So let's, let's connect with that first part. Um, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. What does that mean? To me, that means that Elijah is still in communication with God. It's not like, hey, I decided I woke up today and I went, where do I want to go? Oh, let's, do, let's go Bethel. I hear they have, you know. No. God, he is still talking to God. He's still in communication with God, which he has been throughout his life. So even to this point, he is in communication with God. And then there's this kind of strange request, right? Hey, Elisha, why don't you just hang out here? I'm going to go off to Bethel, but I think you should stay here. And that should, like, strike us kind of funny, right? Because Elijah is not only, like, his apprentice, not only the one that God told him and called him to be, like, a prophet with him with, they've been together for years. So why today, why at this moment is Elijah saying, hey, you know what, why don't you, why don't you just hang out? So they, 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 they continue, and they get to Bethel. And in verse 3, we, we catch up with them there. It says, the company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah. Okay? So let's stop. Who are these company of prophets? So these company of prophets is like a school. A, a, we'll find out later. It's usually like a school about 50. So these are young prophets. And there are, as we'll also see, is that there's several of these kind of schools around the country. So this isn't, there's just one in Bethel. They're going to they're gonna hit up a couple other ones here as well. And I think this is really important and really cool to, to take a look at and, and, and focus on here for a second. Because Elijah's life, he spent feeling like he was all alone. He was alone in the desert. He was the lone person that had to confront these kings. In fact, at one point on, the, on Mount Carmel, he tells God, hey, I am the only one left. I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord. I am the lone soldier. I am, I am the only one here. And actually, God gives him like a small correction in that moment. He says, actually, you know what? You're not. There's actually 7,000 others that haven't bent their knee towards Baal, which is the other small g God at the time. But he's saying, there's 7,000 others that are here. But yeah, I know you feel alone in this time. So isn't this like a cool kind of farewell sort of thing, right? If, if Elijah's going to go up to be with God today. And God's communicating with him. We've already figured that out. God's going to have him go around and see all these small groups of, of people that are believing in the same Yahweh that he is, that are worshiping the same God he is, that are, that are up-and-coming prophets. And he gets to see that, like, you know what? I'm not all alone. Like, like things are happening. Things are going to continue to happen. And I would have just loved to be kind of in one of those moments to see like what the questions they asked him and what he got to share with them and, and 
you know, Elijah's kind of this, like, giant of the times, and, like, you know, these, these new students getting to, to talk to him, and, and how cool would have that been? But that's what these company of prophets are. So they get there into Bethel. The company of prophets come out. These students come out. They go right past Elijah, and they go right to Elisha, and they ask him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Like, Twitter is a buzz. Elijah is trending. Like, have you heard? He's going up to heaven. Like, of course, like, it's a silly question, right? Because of course he knows. Of course he's heard. But what are they really asking? Hey, what are, what are the details on this? Uh, you got any insider information? Like, I want to know what's going on here, right? And Elijah just simply says, I know. I know of course I know what's going on. But just be quiet. Like, be quiet about it, right? So we've got this kind of imminent, life-altering, maybe world-altering event that is about to happen. Everyone kind of wants to talk about it. Everyone kind of knows what's going to happen, but it's like hush-hush, right? Like no one's actually willing to openly talk about what's going down. So verse 4, they are about to leave again. So they spend their time in Bethel, and now God's got them going somewhere else. Verse 4, then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. So he's saying, all right, I'm moving on to Jericho, you stay here again. And Elijah replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. So Elijah is giving Elijah the opportunity to stay behind as he continues this farewell tour, right? This is his second opportunity to not continue this journey. And I love Elijah's response here. As surely as surely as you are alive, I will not leave you. What's the rumor that's going around? What's the news on the, on the street? It's not that Elijah's going to die today. No, it's get, that he's getting whipped up into heaven in a whirlwind. So I love this because he's saying, you know what? I'm in it till the very end. Like, if this is actually going to happen, I want to be there. I want to see till the very end what God's gotten got in store here. So, of course, I am not, I'm not leaving you, not a chance. And this is the crazy thing about this, is that we actually have some video evidence of this going down. Like, I know that sounds crazy, and I'm not sure it's in HD, but you got to check this out. We've got actually the video of when this happened. Go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. Stay back, stay back. No, I'm coming with you, right? Same thing. Not a chance am I going to be left out on this adventure. I am totally all in. I am headed there with you. So in verse 5, we jump back in. The company of prophets, now we're in Jericho, right? The company of prophets again go up to Elijah and they ask him, Do you know what the Lord is going to take your master today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. Here we go. Third time. Now we're going to Jordan. He's going to offer him the same advice. Please stay here. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. So he has been given three opportunities to stay. And he has said, not a chance. I'm all in. I'm going with you each time. And you can kind of get the sense that there's anxiety, there's maybe even dread, there's, there's certainly this kind of cloud of uncertainty that's happening right now. 
with Elijah's pending departure, right? These small groups of, of communities are going, what's going on? I need to know more. Is this really going to happen? Is, and this happens throughout history, right? Where these kind of bigger-than-life characters either step down, pass away, aren't in charge anymore, and it leaves us kind of going, what in the world's going to happen? How are we going to continue? Like, we see this in business a lot, right? You'll see a CEO step down or a founder leave the company, and everyone's like, how is this going to go down? Like, what happens if Phil leaves Nike? What happens when Steve Jobs passes away? Is this really going to continue? Is this going to be able to carry on? We see this in politics, right? We see this with presidents or other people in power where you go, how is this going to continue? How, how are we going to go on? And I've got this kind of I, cool, fun example. Um, if you don't know, if you don't have kids or not paying attention or whatever, a lot of these students are getting to go back to school here in the next couple weeks, uh, at least for some in-person stuff, which is great. I work with high school students here at, at Eastridge. I know a bunch of the students in our group are really excited about it. And so what I want to do is I want to give these students just a little history lesson today. So when you get there first day, you can impress your teachers, you can tell them you've actually learned something over the last year, and, uh, and you'll enjoy this. Okay, so there's this guy back in October uh, 14th, 1912, I know, long time ago, by the name of Theodore Roosevelt. He was a president. And he's about ready to give a speech, okay? So he's about ready to give a speech, and when he's about ready to give the speech, he gets shot, shot in the chest. And thankfully, lucky for him, he's got a speech ready to go. And that speech is really thick. They say it's like maybe like 50 pages thick. And the bullet goes through the speech and into his chest. And all the doctors and all the people around him are like, you've got to go to the hospital. You've got to get this checked out, man. Like, you've got a bullet in you. And he goes, no, I think I'm all right. So he gets in a car, drives to the auditorium, and gives his speech. And does he give the speech for like five minutes? Just like the like, oh, I made it, yeah. No, he gives a 90-minute speech. And at one point during this speech, he says, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot, <laughs> but it takes more than that to kill a bull moose. Like, in the thing, he's, he, like when he got there, he like pulls out his papers, they're all like blood-soaked, and like his shirt like kept like seeping blood. It's gonna put a photo up, but we're in church, and I didn't know if that was appropriate. So, like, I didn't, but, like, check it out on Google. Like, you can see his actual shirt. Like, here's the New York Times, like, piece about it, right? And this guy was just this huge, bigger-than-life character. In fact, when, his, when he did pa finally pass away in uh, 1919, his youngest son sent a memo to his oldest, the, the uh, older brothers, and it simply just said this. It said, the lion is dead. This idea, this, this bigger-than-life character, this, this huge personality, this like prominent figure is gone. So where are we going to go next? I mean, can you imagine if this happened in like today's times? Like presidential candidate shot, gets out, gives a speech, and like just continues to like roll on. Like crazy, crazy things. And I think that's what's happening in this time of Elijah. They're going, how in the world... Are we going to go on without this guy? This is the guy that confronted Ahab. This is the guy that confronted Jezebel. This is the guy that has been doing all the, this crazy, upfront, big work for God. So let's jump back into 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. 
So the 50 men from this company, they are at the, the shoreline of the Jordan here. Um, it says, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took out his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over to dry land. Now, if you've been paying attention, if you've been watching previous seasons on this show, this is going to conjure up some memories. You're going to be like, hey, I think I've seen this before, right? And you would be right. Back in Exodus chapter 14, 21, Moses does something very similar, right? He does that uh, when he divides the Red Sea. In verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back in a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. But that is not the only time. God's done this again. He does this in Joshua Chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, with all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Also, interesting tidpoint here, is that we're in the same place, right? We're in Jericho, banks of the Jordan. But God has used this same sort of thing to rescue his people in the past. The same sort of like promise of deliverance, right? The same sort of like, hey, I'm going to clear the way. You're going to walk through this crazy like spot that you shouldn't be walking through. And, but I've got this. I am in control here. In verse 9, they cr- back to where we are. They cross, this is Elijah and Elijah, they cross the river, right? So when they crossed, Elijah and Elijah, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? So they cross the river, and Elijah says, all right, here's the, here's the lamp, here's your genie, you get three wishes, what do you want, right? And Elijah goes, I want wealth, and I want power, and I want, no, he, do- he doesn't do any of those. He says, I want a double portion doesn't mean he's just extra hungry. Like, he wants something that actually Elijah can't give to him. What he's asking for is he's asking for, quote-unquote, the birthright for Elijah. The firstborn's birthright. This goes back to Deuteronomy 19, or sorry, Deuteronomy 21. This idea that, like, the firstborn gets all of what the father had and gets to continue living that kind of legacy. And he is asking Elijah, I have seen what you've done, and I want the right to be able to continue it. I want to be able to to fulfill God's calling in my life. From back when you came and saw me the first time to where we've gone through all these kind of crazy things together to where we are now, I want to be able to fulfill God's calling in my life. And here we are, I don't know, 40 minutes into the show. We're almost to the end. And it gets crazy. You guys ready? Verse 10. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. We talked about that, right? He's not the one that has the power to do that. That's up to God. Yet, if you see me, 
When I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will, be, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garments and tore it into two. End scene, roll credits, season ending cliffhanger, right? And you think I'm going to tell you more, but I'm not. Dwayne didn't give me the verses, so that's literally where we're landing the plane today, right? You're going to have to come back next week to hear the rest of the story. But we're left with this idea of, is Elijah really gone? Like, what, what, did that really happen? What is, is Elijah going to get what he asked for? Is he going to get that, that blessing? Is he going to continue this, the work of Elijah? What's next for Israel? Are these, are these young groups of people that we just met today, are they going to be the ones that rise up in power? Is there going to be a new ruler? Is there going to be a new king? Like, what's going to happen, right? And man, oh man, what a story. Like, really, what a story. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in the story, right? Like, rain or droughts or fires and ravens and widows and babies and cloaks and water parting and and wish granting and chariots of fire and, and horsemen and ascensions and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and oh my goodness. Like, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the miracles of this. But I think if that's all we get out of this, then we're, we're, we're missing the point. I think there's something else for us. And I think it's this. I think it's this idea that we should never be stuck with the idea that God's power is tied to a particular era or tied to a particular person. This idea that God is always in control, he's never changing, and he's constantly at work. Like, we saw that just in glimpses here, right? And for whatever reason, God likes to use ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. I have no idea why, but he does it time and time and time again. He uses ordinary people, he uses ordinary events, he uses ordinary circumstances, and he creates extraordinary results out of it. He uses people like you. He uses people like, like me. He uses people like Elijah, who was just an ordinary man, right? Just a guy that shows up <laughs> kind of out of the blue in the Bible. Not a guy with a, this great lineage or pedigree or whatever. It's just this guy that was willing to kind of like listen to the voice of God throughout his life, answer that call, and follow that voice no matter what it, what it cost him. And then we see examples of Elijah, right? Spoiler alert for next week. Sorry, Jordan. Um, but guess what? God's going to continue to use him too. So another ordinary man, another guy that's just somebody, right, that answers the voice, answers the call that God gives to his life, and is willing to do it no matter the cost. Let's, let's go back to and remember when Elijah was first kind of like asked to be a part of this. What happens is Elijah shows up with that same cloak that he puts in the water and separates the water with. He throws that over the top of Elijah and Elijah's out like tending his fields or whatever. He's got like, I think, 
don't quote me on this, but like, I think it's like 12 oxen or something like that. He's got like lots of, you know, he's doing all his thing, he's doing all his work, and as soon as that coat comes over him, he knows what it means. He's like, oh my goodness, like the Lord God is calling me to, to, to work for him, to, to be with him, to, to whatever. And so like, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? He ends up slaughtering, <laughs> slaughtering the animals, they have a giant barbecue, and he's just like, I am all in. Like, I'm not, I'm, there's no going back. I don't have any safety blankets. I don't have any, like, anything to fall back on. I am all in to what God wants me to do. And from that moment, he continues to live his life being, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And what does Elijah do on his last day? He gives him three different opportunities to say, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe not. Hey, I'm going to Jericho. You should stay here. Hey, I'm going to Bethel. Maybe you should stay here. Hey, I'm going to the Jordan. Maybe you should stay here. And he goes, nope, I am all in. Surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So I guess the question for us is, are we all in? Do we like the story? Do we like the miracles? Do we like the fireworks and the pyrotechnics? Is it a fun thing to to look out from the outside and and watch and, and be like, whoa, that was really entertaining? Or do we actually want to be a part of the story? Do we want to be a part of God's story? For some reason, he wants to use ordinary people like me, like you, like Elijah and Elijah to do extraordinary things in this world. But someone's got to be willing to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. God's leaders are always changing. We see this. God's leaders are always changing, but God's power is always persisting. It's always there. Be it Moses, be it Elijah, be it here today, where we are at today. The world definitely looked different 3,000 years ago, right? Heck, the world looked different a year ago than it does today. But God is no different. So, are you willing to jump in and be a part of the story. Are you willing to to answer God and say, yes, I will go where you want me to go. And yes, I will do what you want me to do. And I will say what you want me to say and I will be who you want me to be. This week we lost a giant in the Christian community. One of these people that you go, how can we ever replace somebody like this? Luis Palau passed away this week. If you don't know who he is, he is a Christian evangelist, got to speak all over the world. He called Portland, Oregon his home. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to hear him speak, and one of the greatest things that I'm so excited that happened is last year he spoke again, and we got to take a bunch of our high schoolers to go and listen to him speak. He'd been dealing with, with cancer for three years, and we knew he didn't have that much time left with us. But he was a man who truly answered the call of God that said, hey, I don't want to watch the story. I want to be a part of the story. But ultimately, he was just a man, right? Just an ordinary guy. But he was one that fulfilled God's call on his life. And so today, as we consider God's call for our lives and what he may be asking us to be a part of, I want to encourage you to listen to the words of this prayer. Now, he is a gifted speaker, and I like, I don't hold a, a drop of what he has. Like he, so I wanted to share this 
with you. This is Luis Palau's words. I, I encourage you to just to listen to what he says and, and, to, and to really start to like figure out and, and, and see maybe what God may be calling you towards. Okay, let's watch this. I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like to pray with you a prayer that is really a song, a hymn, really. Because it's a prayer that comes from the heart that is very deep. In fact, if I can finish it, it'll be a miracle without sort of breaking down. Oh God, our Father, we want to pray this prayer from this song. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. Jesus is alive. I'll be what you want me to be. And oh Lord, I recommit myself. Hi, it's good to be back again here on Channel 10 in Medford. With the message of Jesus Christ and with prayer. Well, hello everybody. This is Reaching Your World and Reconsecrate My Life, Body, Soul, and Spirit. I commit my family and my loved ones to you. Take over, O oh Lord, 100% in our life and in our family's life, that we may be proclaiming the good news all over the world. I'm here today proud of Jesus Christ. Dear Chinese friends, we're talking about meeting God. God is a good Father. He loves you. Cristo vive en mí. Who wants? Cristo now and until the day you call us home and then in heaven we'll fall at your feet and worship you for the work of the cross the blood of the cross the power of the resurrection and that you are coming again to take us home in Jesus' name Amen God's leaders change, but his power persists. And in a time that we are so desperately looking for change, we're looking for change in our, in our communities, we're looking for change in our, in our state, we're looking for change in our country, we're looking for change in our world, I think we first need individuals who are willing to just answer that call, the call to do the work that the Lord has asked them to do. That's when we'll see real change. So for those of you that are uh, newsletter readers, good work, um, you may be going, hey, we're supposed to have communion today. And for some different circumstances, we aren't able to do that. So I'm going to ask to do something slightly different. I'm going to ask us to take a pause. 30 seconds. Take a pause and to consider what we heard today, to reflect on it. I don't think, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not called to, to call out kings and to confront kings. 
Maybe you're not called to to bring down fire. But what would it look like if you just were to answer whatever God's got for you? May this be a time that we recommit to God to simply say, yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will be a part of your story. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm just going to ask you, maybe close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever works, and let's take, let's take 30, 40 seconds here and just reflect. God, we thank you that you never change. You are the God of yesterday, the God of today, the God of forever. And Lord, I pray that there would be people in this room who are recommitting to your calling in their lives. You are the God of miracles and, and, and amazing things. But God, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of your story. And we are ready to go where you want us to go and to do what you want us to do. God, we're ready to say what you want us to say and to be who you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you for your son, for his sacrifice on the cross and that freedom that it gives us and allows us. Lord, I pray that we would answer that call today. In your holy name, amen.